Hey there, this is Dylan, David, and Sean Take on Fascism. Today, we are going to be giving a pitch to Netflix executives on the book It Can't Happen Here by Sinclair Lewis. So we're going to start by introducing episode one. All right, episode one. I think a good way to introduce this would be to show a montage. Um, The montage would consist of every U.S. armed conflict since World War II, ending in 9-11. Now, the montage could begin with uh, uh, images of the U.S. dropping the atomic bomb on Japan and, you know, showing that huge explosion for effect. And then as the wars progress, they become a lot more political, starting with Korea, Vietnam, uh, the Persian Gulf, um, everything in between little. And so obviously a powerful image to end with that would be the 9-11 images. I think most people are familiar with those images. There's no need to go into detail of what those are. And I think that could be a good starting point just to show the progression of U.S. politics after World War II. I mean, it's debatable. You could even bring it from the Civil War on, but there's not as many powerful images of the Civil War as there is the atomic bomb onto 9-11. So then immediately as the montage ends, we're going to introduce the characters. We're going to keep it the way that the character Doremus Jessup is introduced in the book. So he is in, he is in a, a meeting listening to a speech by a military official. And there's some ob- obvious national rhetoric and a little pushback by some of the audience. But other than that, they keep it like that. Then after that, there's going to be hints of how this... Uh, alternate universe has changed from ours especially considering 9-11 so there's going to be instead of like the anti-muslim rhetoric dying down as it did in real life for the most part it's just going to keep getting hyped up more and more every year to create like this uh insane backlash against uh the muslim population and then obviously uh nations with a majority muslim population uh, yeah, the Muslim situation, it's uh, it get, obviously, as Sean said, it gets progressively worse. But uh, I think in any fascist society, it's important to have what's uh, categorized as the others. So for the sake of this film, uh, making it can't happen here fit into modern day times, we're going to make the uh, Muslim population our others. And then we think that the episode should end uh, with the introduction of Buzz Windrip. However, his name can be sprinkled in earlier, but his face should be shown at the end of the episode giving his 15-point speech where he says how the country will change after he is elected. Um, also, it should be noted that the, on the, at the end of the episode, the 2008 financial crisis is shown. I mean, we all know that money and the state of the economy is an important element of the beginning of fascism so you see as the financial crisis goes on the fascist grip on the country being tightened and the beginning of the financial um the beginning of the financial crisis just getting worse and worse and people becoming in a state of depression all right, so now we're moving on to episode two. There's an election campaign going on, and Buzz Windrip, he's a senator. He's running for president, and he's running on the populist platform. So his uh, core fundamentals on his uh, campaign 
is that you know America is not what it used to be. He wants to restore the American spirit. He also wants to restore prosperity to the American people. Um, he wants to actually kind of give like tax rebates to every American. And it, it probably this day and age would be equivalent to something in the form of, I don't know, $30,000 or so. So another idea that we had was... Uh... So during this election, you see a huge outrage on social media, such as Instagram, Twitter, with people from the South generally supporting this candidate and people from the North generally not supporting him. I mean, you can see the people posting outra- like outrageous photos like kill this guy or don't elect this guy and doing protests and all sorts of things. And um, I guess they were just not in support of his ideas and his ideals. And they want a leader who can finally actually do something about this Muslim situation and not just say they are going to do something. In this episode, however, you can also show that despite the number of people and the outrage towards Buzz Windrup and his, uh, his speeches that there's still quite a minority compared to the massive numbers of people in the country who are supporting him. And this can be shown through the like rallies that he gives where there's massive crowds. And then like just the change of uh, like college life and on the campus and how people are uh, adopting more nationalist and militarist militaristic ideals and giving up the more liberal ideologies that you would see on a 21st century college campus so episode two ends when buzz windrup wins the election and he becomes the president episode three will begin with uh windrup's inauguration uh as well as him appointing his right-hand man lee saracen as the secretary of state and the main point of this episode which is establishing his militia the minutemen as uh, an unpaid but equal branch of the United States military. They can be equivalent to the black shirts and the brown shirts from Germany and Italy during the fascist times. All right, so a couple of laws were passed in the years after 9-11, after Winthrop was elected president in episode three. Um, The first one would be a nationwide stop and frisk policy. So... Basically, it would give police officers and also his Minutemen the power to uh, basically uh, stop and search you without any sort of good cause. So what it essentially does is eliminate the factor of probable cause in American society. There's also, uh, if you remember the years after 9-11, the Patriot Act was passed. There was not much opposition to it. Um, Also with the invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan in with regards to the aspect of war and empire. Um, if you remember, no Congress members actually read the war bill. It was very limited. I think it was a 500 to 1,000 page document and most uh, congressmen just signed it without giving much of, of uh, discussion about it. Now, there's a, episode three, there's a growing the Muslim situation is getting worse. Uh, 
and there's a there's a Mexican situation brewing down south too. Um, basically, down south on the border of Texas and Mexico, there's to stop the illegal border crossings. You have uh, basically the Minutemen posted up on the border, stopping them from coming in, and the Muslim situation in the inner cities. Uh, there's, there's this, uh, the Minutemen are ushering them into ghettos and slums, basically in the form of housing projects with walls around them. So at this point, Windrup starts making good on his uh, promise to incorporate and implement his 15 points from earlier. So uh, as we know from reading the book, one of the main points was to target black people or Negroes in the book and restrict their rights, their voting rights, their their working rights, and how much they can make, like salary wise. So basically, just replace a uh, black or Negro in that point with Muslims, because that would fit our uh, storyline and the Windrup's agenda. Uh, the fifth, the very last point, the fifteenth point, is when Windrup basically start stripping Congress of their power, making them a, an advisory government. So he does this. So he does this, and this is basically what leads Congress to decide in our story to attempt to impeach him. So towards the end of this episode, we're going to leave off with a cliffhanger, which is Windrip disbands Congress after they attempt to impeach him. And he basically just tells them, you can't do that. I have all the power, and the Congress has no power. So he disbands Congress and has all of the Congress people arrested. And that is the end of the episode, and it is left in a cliffhanger-type situation. So episode four will begin with uh, like a scene of students on a college campus, but now they're much more regimented and militaristic and and like supportive of the basically the Windrip takeover but then it'll show massive protests in cities because obviously Windrip just empowered himself and disbanded congress so the constitution was voided and that's pretty much the end of democracy in America so in response to these protests Windrip is going to expand the minutemen and start targeting these protests eventually showing one scene where the Minutemen open fire on the on the crowd and a bunch of them obviously end up dead also we can show that uh like social media is uh limited so like Jessup can one day wake up and try to log on to some social media account whether it's Facebook or or Instagram Instagram. anything Twitter and he just finds that they're they're just down and they're not working and he has no idea why all right, so following this, we have the use of concentration camps. Uh, we're going to have organized resistance against um, Windrup is growing. Obviously, Antifa is going to be one of the biggest opposers of, of uh, Windrup in the present day uh, current events. So Antifa members are suspected Antifa members are going to get rounded up and put in concentration camps. The use of Guantanamo Bay in Cuba is probably going to be the main setting for the concentration camp episode. And along with all other political opponents and 
people deemed dangerous to the regime of Windrip. So at the end of the episode, Jessup gets arrested for writing anti-Windrip articles, and at the end, you see him sitting in a jail cell, contemplating what to do and his life. So at the beginning of episode five, after a little getting uh, slapped around and beat up, Jessup is released after promising not to uh, write these inflammatory anti-Windrip articles anymore. But then, as we all know, he proceeds to do this. In the book, he writes papers. So we thought instead he could set up like a, a proxy server and start publishing articles on the internet on a website that Windrip and his people can't get to because he has a proxy. Dark web. Yeah, pretty much. So after writing a couple of these articles, the the proxy fails or something like that, and Jessup is found again. Also, he's being monitored now by Windrup's uh, Minutemen because he was arrested once. So they arrest him again. This time, he's in a, a lot more trouble. He's sent to a concentration camp where he's, he's beaten, he's tortured, and it, it doesn't look good. He's, he's going to die, pretty much. And so uh, we decided that the episode should end with uh, the, the breakout, basically, for... Jessup, so the resistance breaks into the the concentration camp at a the concentration camp is in an undisclosed location it, it should be in mainland USA though so that in the next episode he's able to flee to Canada because he wouldn't be able to do that from Guantanamo Bay but so yeah so the resistance breaks into the jail frees him and that's how the episode ends he's basically taken out of the jail so almost dead all right, so episode six begins with a little bit of civil unrest, actually a lot of bit of civil unrest. We have Windrip getting overthrown by his right-hand man, Sirison. Now, after that, Sirison is then overthrown by a military coup, and after this, a civil war breaks out between fascists and anti-fascists. Um, the civil war is pretty messy. It's all over the country, in the cities, it, there's no really defined lines. It's a lot of urban fighting, and uh, a lot of people are seeking refuge in Mexico and Canada to try to avoid the war. And after all this, Jessup becomes a spy against the fascist regime. So, unfortunately, this is our final episode, and we would just like to thank everyone for listening and we have greatly enjoyed making these podcasts for our eight to ten listeners each week each week and uh, we'd like to thank Professor Remy and Brooklyn College for teaching this course and making all of this possible. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed. This is Dylan, David, and Sean take on fascism.